Hi, I'm Shalushi Baxi Ritchie. And I'm Kosha Baxi Karstens. We are sisters and best friends who grew up in the middle of Illinois, two little brown girls in a heartland farming community. We were really loved. We had a lot of friends, but we never felt like we fully fit in. We started to realize that there's probably a lot of other people who felt similarly othered. And that realization was a seed for this podcast. Then during the 2020 election, we watched now Vice President Harris reclaim her power and story from Mike Pence, and we got inspired. We want to hear, share, and amplify the voices of all Americans who have felt othered. We want to give everyone a platform to reclaim their power and their place by standing up and saying, I am speaking. Hi. Hey. What's up, yo? Should <laughs> Should I um, start with our song? I am speaking. Yes, I am. It's going to be slightly different every time, too. No, I know. <laughs> You've got to do but, that. Yeah, I will. I'm totally going to do that. Oh. Okay. I, I, I am speaking. Yes, I am. But And then, like, they don't really have, like, a beat or anything. No. <laughs> it's just words. How are you, Kosha? I'm good. It's November which is weird. We're talking about Thanksgiving. Like we had yeah. a whole thread with our family about Thanksgiving foods and such. And Oh, I mean, the last two years, I felt really like 10 years. Yeah. Well, I keep saying, I'm like, well, it has not been like the pandemic has not been two years, right? It was March 13th that the pandemic started officially. And it just feels like it has It's definitely been two years and it hasn't yeah. been yet, which is just so weird. So anyway, uh, how are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I, um, I'm also excited about Thanksgiving. You, well, you know, and we share this the same about it, which is it's our favorite holiday, but our listeners may not know that um, in the Baxi family, Thanksgiving is the holiday. And it has been. Yeah. For decades. For like 25 years. It's, we, you know, we started this tradition with my mom's cousin and his family. Um, and we would drive back and forth to each other's houses. And this is when we were living in Streeter and they were way up in the North Burbs. It just grew and grew and grew, you know, all throughout high school and college. It was the only time really that all of us cousins could see each other mm-hmm. and spend the afternoon just enjoying each other's company. It was, the, like I said, the holiday for us. And I'm excited that it's coming around and we get to, you know, have our siblings and their spouses and their children, you know, their families and their parents. And we've even expanded it to have some of, you know, siblings, in-laws. Yeah. My in-laws will be there this year. Mine will be there too. Yeah. Your in-laws will be there this year. I know Spruha's in-laws were there one year, a Mm -hmm. couple of years ago. Um, And it just works out because, you know, Diwali, which is coming up, in just a couple of days that's not a national holiday so we couldn't really celebrate that with everybody especially being you know over two hours away from everyone in the chicago burbs um and christmas wasn't is not a thing in the hindu religion so you know we didn't that was not really a big thing for everybody and a lot of us a lot of us you and i included uh we would go to india over christmas because it was this prolonged break yeah you and i at least spent most of our Christmas holidays until you went away to high school in India. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You so generously and awesomely host 
I'm so happy you're here just for that. No, I mean, I'm happy you're here for other things. <laughs> like, I'm clearly happy that you're here to hang out with me and we do the podcast. And, you know, I just like seeing you, obviously, and having my best friend and sister close. But even if all of that went away, I would be happy that you were here for hosting Thanksgiving. You do actually enjoy it. Is that? I do. I love hosting. Statement. Yeah. I love hosting. Yeah. And um, it's, it's interesting because I think the more I learn about myself, um, the more I discover that hosting is both a social thing for me. I am the most extroverted extrovert you'll probably ever meet. If there's a choice to do something with people or being out, I'm always like, yes. So I love hosting. I love having people over and I love, you know, sort of seeing everyone have a great time. There's definitely an undercurrent of control. Like I want things to go, I want things to go right. And if I'm not hosting, I'm okay with that. But like when I'm hosting, I want to host, right? So I'm not very cool with co-hosts. I'm very like, nope, this is my gig. But if it's not my gig, then I'm like, it's not my gig at all. And it's fine. We're not talking about the podcast. You're very cool with having a co-host. Oh, of course. No, I'm talking about dinner parties and things. So two of my favorite things about you being an extrovert and a host, well, you and I are very different when it comes to intro extroversion. I am like the opposite. And this does surprise people. So while your extroversion doesn't surprise anybody, people are surprised when I say I'm an introvert. And I think people assume or, or correlate, you know, they conflate introversion with being shy, with being mm-hmm. quiet, with being, you know, not very outgoing. And I'm definitely outgoing and I'm definitely chatty and I I love talking to people and getting to know people, but I like to do that in very small groups. So, and um, also I need that downtime. And if I'm already tired, forget it, right? If I'm already depleted of any kind of social energy, it's like, don't ask me to do anything. And my favorite thing was you had a party to go to and you were texting me and you said, I have this party to go to. I'm so tired, but I know if I go, I just, it's just going to make me feel better. And I was like, oh, you and I are very different. People. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because if I, even if I have all the energy and I'm super excited about things, I'm like, I will come home exhausted. And then the other thing about you being a host was you give yourself a pep talk. And it was so awesome. It was so lovely. I don't even know if you remember I that. Don't. You turned around and you looked at the kitchen everyone else was behind you and you took a deep breath and you go, okay, Shulshi, home stretch, got to do the tr-. And like you, you told yourself what you needed to do in what order you called it the home stretch. And then you go, you can do this. Oh, I don't remember that. You put on your, your, uh, your mitts, your oven mitts, and you like went to it. And it was such an awesome dinner. And I like, that was one of the first ones that everyone was together. And I don't remember exactly what you said, but you said home stretch you named everything that you had to do in the order you had to do them. And then you go, we can do this. We, as opposed to we, me and me, me and myself. Right. I think you're, <laughs> you meant the Royal we. Yes. I don't, I don't remember that. So it's really funny to hear like an outsider's <laughs> perspective. Cause I do that very often. Like when you say that, I'm like, I do. And I don't always know that I'm saying it out loud. Cause obviously I'm not talking to anyone when I do this, but I do. I'm like, all right, here's what we got to do today. Or like, this is what needs to happen in the next hour. Um, and by we, I mean, it's me. And there's no other we involved here. I'm not talking to anyone. It's just me, but I'm like, all right, this is, this is what we got to do. Oh, I love it. 
The other thing I will say, just as we close out this topic here, is I wanted to share with our listeners the most brilliant explanation of why the pandemic was so hard on extroverts. And I think a lot of people think extroverts are like aggressive in their like, they want everyone's energy. And I actually saw a New Yorker cartoon about this the other day. And I was like, I'm a little offended by that. Like, I'm not holding anyone hostage for their energy. I'm not assaulting anyone. I just want to interact with people. And that's judgy overall, because I would say like introverts don't hate to interact either, right? Like it's almost pitting introverts and extroverts against each other. And I think if you listen to our podcast, and this is the transition that you're trying, if you listen to our podcast or look at our friendship, we work so beautifully together because we have that ebb and flow or that, you know, that like yin and yang of having extroverts and introverts. And that, that cartoon actually kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I saw it overall. But if what you crave is a lot of social interaction, uh, being an extrovert was really, really tough during the pandemic. And this is where I'm going to share your example, which is, you know, you said like, oh, I was thinking about how hard this might be for you. I was thinking about what it would be like if I had to go to a party every single night and I was exhausted. I had to go every night and there was no end in sight. And if I didn't go, someone might die. That does sound exhausting. I would even agree that going to like being forced to go to a party every single night is exhausting. But I think what was really hard for people to understand is that that is what it felt like for an extrovert being forced to stay home for months and months with no end in sight. What do I want to do? I don't necessarily want to go and like party every night. Right. You weren't asking to go clubbing every night, right? right? But I wanted to see my friends. I wanted to interact with people. I just, none of that was possible because if I did that, someone might get really sick or someone might die. You know, it was hard for people, I think, sometimes to see how draining it was for people like me who really needed that interaction to feel full. For our listeners who don't know, I also had major surgery in January of 2020. So I was basically in isolation. I was home starting at the very beginning of the year. Like for someone who doesn't understand that, that type of extroversion, I think it does sound counterintuitive. Introverts charge by not being used basically. Like a phone. Right. And other things get used because you put energy into them and that's car batteries, you know, hybrid car batteries get charged because you put the energy into it by driving. How long have you been sitting on that example? Did you Uh, come up with it? Yeah, I just did. That was really good. Uh, I was actually pretty pleased. I didn't. You should be very proud of yourself. That's a very good example. Now I will be. So I wanted to uh, do a recap of season two. Uh, Hopefully our listeners agree with us because I know you and I agree on this, which is season two. We really sort of hit our stride and felt like we were asking some tougher questions, talking to a wider range of people, hearing a lot of different experiences. I think you and I as hosts were really stretching and we talked a lot about a lot of painful things, coming out stories, uh, bullying, you know, family trauma. I was so blown away and proud of all of our guests. And I have been since the beginning. Everyone's been so open and vulnerable. Everybody. I'm just, I've been really proud of what we've done and how far we've come in six months. Me too. Yeah, me too. I think 
you know, one of the things we hear so often that you and I have really, really great vibe and a really great energy together. So I'm like proud of that because I know that not all siblings have, you know, even a friendship to speak of much less this really great chemistry. We laugh and we have jokes and we can kind of tease each other a little bit, um, but also a deep and tremendous respect for each other. It's also kind of a weird thing to be proud of because it feels like being proud of like, I have black hair, you know, right. <laughs> like, like something right. that like, it just feels so natural to you that you're like, I'm just being proud of like the thing that just comes naturally. Right. It, well, on the part that like comes so naturally and we've had for so long and now people are just hearing it. So we hear about it now, but it's like, no, no, no. Shulshi and I have always, well, not always, but we have often, most of our lives have, you know, had this kind of chemistry. We go so far back and like, people just don't know that me. I had a couple of people be like, really? With your, are you sure? With your sister? I'm like, yeah, yes. Like I wouldn't have done this without you, right? You were, you were pivotal to my plan to do this podcast. And I think that just in the past six months, it's really proved that I'm a very smart person. Indeed. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. You are very smart. I'm smart specifically because I came up with a pl- I'd like to do this podcast. I wouldn't say you were smart about that. I say, I would say you're inspired. Oh. This podcast isn't smart. This podcast is inspired. I want to acknowledge that your energy and enthusiasm for bringing this to life is what made it happen. Because I was like, oh, I got so much stuff going on right now. I don't know how much. You liked the idea. I wasn't like, that's a bad idea. It was just more like, can I, I don't know if I have the capacity to do this, but right. it has turned out to be a true joy. And I, I think you, I oh, know, I don't think, I know that you knew how much I would love it. But at the moment you asked me, I was literally like, I don't know when I have time to breathe. So we were having lunch and there's that classic story about how I took you out to lunch, high roller, because I took you to Panera. You had just gotten done telling me the 22 things you had to do, like in the next 48 hours. And I was like, (laughs) so do you want 23 things instead? Because I have this idea. Well, now that's right around this time. This was, it was November of last year that we were sitting out that Panera and it was cold and we were talking about this and took us about six months to get all the pieces in line and get everything going. But yeah, we're, you know, as a sort of anniversary reflective episode, since we're about a year out from where we started thinking about it. I'll take you to Panera next week for our anniversary lunch. (laughs) I should take you to Panera. (laughs) <laughs> but if you don't want to go to Panera, I'll take you somewhere else similar, like Noodles and Company or something like that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's good. So we've had way more guests this season than we did our first season. And I think part of it was that we finally, you know, like I said, we finally felt like we were hitting our stride and feeling good about it. But also we really wanted to hear from as many different people as we could, um, particularly since our topic for this past season was gender and sexuality spectra. So people who are all over the gender and sexuality spectra. And there are a lot of things to talk about there. If you don't mind, Kosha, since you are the keeper of, 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 the, I'm the, record of the record keeper. keeper, yes. Giving us a rundown on sort of who we talked to and what was going on with them. Episode one of season two was Violet Turner, who was our lovely, self-possessed 16-year-old trans girl incredible interview incredible human person she had a a significant stutter 
you know, we hear a stutter or a lisp or, or something like that. And we think about ourselves immediately, like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so hard to understand this person. But if you just like for Violet, if you just like listen to her, it, you actually got her cadence quickly. And she was, she was lovely to listen to and, and talk to. Yeah. I agree, Kosha. I think that, you know, talking to Violet first, maybe 15 or 20 minutes, I really noticed the stutter to quote Ted Lasso, everyone's favorite character right now. It's kind of like the nipples and showgirls after a while you just get so caught up in the narrative. You don't even notice. And that's really how it felt yeah. to me with talking to Violet, which was like, it feels like that's all you're noticing at first. And then you stop noticing it. Then it's just how that person talks. It was so great to talk to Violet. I loved it. She's going to take this world by storm. If anyone does not understand how amazing she is, you should follow her on Instagram. She did a makeup look oh my gosh. every day in October. Most of them terrified me, but they were all amazing. Then the following week we had her dad who yeah. he himself had not been othered in his life, but he was the dad of a trans 16 year old girl and an ally and a, or a bigger ally and supporter. I don't think I've ever met. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, talk about fighting the law. Like I'm not taking this pushing back and winning and winning. Awesome. And he's a K one teacher. We talk about activism a lot on yeah. this podcast and that everyone has their way of being an activist. And it's like, you don't have to have, you know, millions of dollars. You don't have to go out on March. You don't have to be a lawyer or a business person to understand how to be an activist. You know, this elementary school teacher who, you know, fought the law and he won, like you said. So mm -hmm. Then the following week we had larger than life, fabulous Haas Lehman. Oh my gosh. He was a trip, wasn't he though? <laughs> awesome. Amazing person to talk to. Had so much to say. I he mean, a lot to say. Kosha, you did a fantastic job editing that episode. As the person who was trying to sort of guide the conversation, I was, I was exhausted at the end of that episode. And I think, you know, part of it was that he has been shoved into the spotlight as being the first openly gay Muslim Arab actor on TV and in movies. I, I love what he's doing. If you have not seen Little America, every episode is fantastic. But that last episode, the one that drove me to reach out to Haas to begin with, what is that, that finale of that season? It's, it's really stunning. Um, and he was fun. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not saying it wasn't fun. I'm saying it was, it was a lot to keep the conversation moving in a direction because he just had so much to say. And if we could have had an eight hour long episode or like two, you know, two, four hour long episodes, we easily could have done that. Absolutely. Then we had Alicia Elkins, who is a white gay woman, you know, coming out, she's like, it was not a good time for gay people, you know, back in like the early 2000s. And the fact that even when she went to the Melissa Etheridge concert, she still said she was waiting for her boyfriend. And, and she was forthcoming about saying like, I didn't want to give up my privilege. I think that's been a really interesting theme. The privilege that comes with identities that can be hidden or that aren't immediately, you know, obvious to everyone and how easy it is to sort of act 
straight if you need to act straight in certain situations, but nobody can ever act white if they are not white. Or people get called out for it. Right. How many times have you been told, or I've been told, like, you're not Indian enough? There's an infinite way of right. being an Indian person, just like there's an infinite way of being a gay person or whatever. Yeah. And I imagine that there are, you know, people who are right now listening to us or hopefully will be listening to us being told you're not, you don't act gay enough. You're not enough of a dyke or you don't dress right or whatever it is. Right. Or even the whole, like, who's the wife? Who's the woman in your relationship? Right. That all of that is going back to that white supremacy framework. Yeah. Where do you fit in this framework? Yeah. The next one after Alicia was Elisa, another friend of mine. Oh, I love talking to her. Who is asexual, which is part of the spectrum is just more unknown. Like a couple of times we talked about, it's one of the letters like way down or it's mm-hmm. just included in the plus up until the internet. When you type in like, what is wrong with me? Am I broken? Search uh, into Google she didn't know, she really thought like there was something broken or sick or, you know, wrong with her. I feel like you really loved that interview. I did for so many reasons. It's really fascinating to talk to somebody who has both a personal experience, but also can bring the science to talk about or the data to talk about what's really going on. Right. Then you can see this person's experience as a representation of what's happening with lots of people. Just like we've been saying, there's no wrong way to be uh, anything. You are who you are, whether you're gay or straight or Indian or Filipino or whatever it is, right? There's no wrong way to be who you are. There's also how a person's experience represents what's happening in a community or to a community. Then we had the fabulous mama tits. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Fabulous and entertaining and... Their stories were so rich. Like you could, it's like you were right there with them. Phenomenal, fantastic, fabulous person. Then we had our incredible therapist, resident therapist, Karen. Oh, always, always so amazing talking to her. Yeah. I love her. She will be back next season. Yay. I actually, I begged her to be my therapist and she's like, I can't. And I was like, why? And she goes, ethics. And I was like, who cares? And she's like, that's the whole point of ethics. I was like, I know, I know. I'm sorry. Don't you have a master's in ethics, by the way? You can shut your stupid, ugly mouth, please. Uh, but yes, I do. And I actually think we did talk about that. Don't tell the people at Loyola that I'm talking about. This. <laughs> it's on record. <laughs> They're going to be like, we would like our degree back. Did you just go on, go on a public forum and be like, but who cares? Uh, then we had another high school friend of mine, Michelle Lamour, who has her own rich history and background, but really came on to talk about understanding your sexuality and understanding just who you are and being inside your skin. She found dance and that just led to this incredible work as a burlesque dancer. She's becoming a intimacy coordinator. What a great space for her to be thinking about how do we make sure that when sexual scenes are depicted on camera, that they're safe and comfortable for everyone and no one's pushed into something that they don't like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And not to say that she cannot be a burlesque dancer or stripper well into her forties. This woman is the same age as I am. And let me tell you, she keeps it tight. 
as uh, as Jake Peralta would say. Yeah. But you know what she's doing is stretching herself and uh, metaphorically and physically. But you know, really just finding like what's the next thing for me to do and passing the feather boa, as it were. Then we had Dave, and Dave is the first person, Sheila She, as I looked, who did not give us his last name. Right. So Dave was polyamorous and, but is not out at work is, and what I would say was struck me about Dave himself is how in love he was with his polyamorous life and yet could not be completely himself on the podcast because he was worried about what, how it might impact his, his employment. It's really inspiring and a little sad. Exactly. It was hard to hear that especially hearing him just revel in how happy he was in his life. Uh, after Dave, we had Anna Deshawn, who is on her way to being a media mogul. Oh, yeah. I, they, I know they just won a big tech award, uh, like a big $20,000 tech award. She's doing big things. Um, her, her thing about um, social entrepreneurship really was awesome. I had not, I had not heard that term personally. I work in corporate America. So that was really cool to hear about these people who are like, we could do good in the world and make money doing it. Then we had Dave's wife, partner, wife, wife, right. But one of his partners. So we had his wife, they are legally married, but is one of his partners, Kelsey, who is bisexual. She's hilarious. And I've had a couple of people tell me that hearing their two stories was really cool because you could see how these people fit together, but also that they're okay having these other relationships. Yeah. A couple people saying like, I don't want to be polyamorous. Like I, I never thought about it and they're married or in a partnership, but Kelsey made me want to want it or something right. like there was, there was this thing where it was a, it was a seed of understanding. And that's, that was so, uh, fulfilling, satisfying to me. Cause I'm like, that's what we're doing. That's what we want. Right. Or that people understood why somebody might want to be polyamorous. Right. That, again, like, and, and if you haven't listened to it or you need a refresher, go back and listen to David and Kelsey. And I would strongly suggest doing a back to back, right. So that you could hear both partners side of what it's like. It's, it's so great to have deep, meaningful, intimate connections with people who care about the things you care about. And it doesn't have to be all in one person. But what also comes out of that is that it's not for the faint of heart that you really have to put so much more time and effort into making sure that you're communicating well with your partner. Everyone feels really okay with the setup because for those of us who are in, you know, a monogamous relationship or that we believe we're in a monogamous relationship, right? It's hard enough to communicate your wants and needs with one person and have just a need to be responsible to that one person. But then if you think about, well, now you've got four people or maybe three people that you are in a similar, you yourself are in a similar relationship with. And then your three partners have three other partners that they're also in a similar relationship with. And for each of your partners, they need to make sure you're okay, but also that their other partners are okay. You can just see how this starts to become exponentially harder to negotiate with everyone 
what's going to feel good, what's going to feel okay for each partner along the chain. It's a lot more talking and a lot less sex than people think. After Kelsey, and I love, I do love every single one of our episodes, but this episode was really, really special to me for some reason was Mark Perry. I think the story is out there that I actually had two long-term boyfriends who broke up with me both because they were gay. I don't know if that story is out there, but now it is. And um, he knew both of them. And so, and that he didn't come out until much later in life. So uh, I told him maybe if he needed a push, he could have just asked me out, you know, in high school, <laughs> but <laughs> came out as gay when he was, you know, in his twenties. And I love, I love Mark. I really, we do. mentioned this at the very beginning of that episode, but the sort of like gut punch moment for me is when, you know, he used the word tribe and you'd said to him like, Hey, that's not really a great word to use, but then that he, he was really clear. He said, okay, I'll change it, but you have to keep this part in. Yeah. Normally I would just be like, don't worry about it. You know, I'll edit it out. That's an ally. That's somebody who's really willing to learn and own up to their missteps. I won't even say mistakes. Sometimes we, we move in a direction. We do something, we say something we don't know is a problem to own that with grace and say, oops, gosh, I'm sorry. My bad. What word should I use or which way can I go? That's not hurtful. What can I do to be better, do better, you know, to have that on, on our podcast, to have someone actually say that, that feels like, whew, we're doing, we're doing, again, we're doing a little bit of good here. We're, this is one of the things we wanted to get at. I totally agree. After Mark, we had, we had Gretchen. That was cool. Who was so brave. The bravery that came out of this young woman, you know, we heard a little bit behind the scenes everyone really told her for a long, long time, like, this is a bad idea. You can't do it. You, you're not going to make it in the big city. She was like, well, watch me. And that was a story that you and I could, it really resonated with us. You know, we talked about how we both grew up in a little small town too. Um, but we were always outsiders. No one ever expected us to fit in. Um, and what, how different it is when you're from there, your family's from there, how hard it can be how much gravity there is keeping you there, why that might be. And so it was just really great to hear Gretchen's story to be like, nope, I'm going to do this. And just how um, gratifying it was for her when she got to the big city to see, you know, people wearing their pride pins and seeing the pride parade and people like cheering her on about wearing her own, you know, her own identity out on her sleeve instead of hiding it you know, and to see her like start to blossom and, and have like that little spark come alive in her when we were talking was awesome. Uh, and then our last episode of the season was Darian, Marion Burton, but let's talk about like fabulous gay men, right? Oh my gosh. On this season. That was awesome. And he's just self-proclaimed fabulous and fierce. And what was it? HBIC head bitch in charge. So, okay. So I'm going to turn the tables a little bit on you. Mm -hmm, yeah. You're used to being the conductor host. I want to ask you, what did you think were some of the overarching themes that, that emerged? Not that we went in with what, what themes, what connecting threads emerged for you? I think the thing that really answered the overarching thing that really felt like, oh, the things that you think that are going to be hard are not the things that are going to be hard. I mean, some people 
that we talked to were like, no, coming out was so easy. It was all the other stuff that was hard or coming out was hard. But once I came out, it was super easy. And so the kinds of things that we thought we might hear from people, we didn't hear. And even the kinds of things that people thought they might hear from their family didn't hear always. Um, Or that not being yourself was too high of a price to pay, regardless of what someone might say to you. Um, Because we did hear stories about people who, you know, got all kinds of pushback and they got told they weren't who they were, but the price to pay for not being yourself was too high, right? So that the things, the things that I thought might be hard were not hard. It was other things that were hard. Um, And and I feel like that's so often the lesson of people's lives in general, which is you have this idea and you've got a plan and, oof, I'm going to do this and that and that. Um, and the plan falls apart and the ideas go to shit. And the things that you thought were going to be hard are not the things that are hard. It's the other stuff mm-hmm. that you couldn't plan for, um, that you overlooked. You're like, oh, this part's going to be easy. And then that's like the hardest thing to deal with. I agree. I, that's very insightful. And I think, you know, I I think back to Mark when he said, you know, he, you know, coming out was so, and I think people build it up and and they should, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but, and then going back to being like, okay, now you still have to like help your dad with the, like plastering the basement walls and stuff like like now how do you live with this world that is somehow so different for you but so the same for everybody else and and I and you point you've pointed this out several times and I think it's a really smart perspective when you talk about your older kid who is non-binary and for a long time you know the pronouns were such a big deal to them it Mm -hmm. was just you know I'm not she, I'm them. And, and got angry and got, had a lot of like internal, just strife about it. And it came out to you for sure, to me, you know, in Mm -hmm. some ways. And, um, then you had that conversation. Can you share a little bit in depth what that conversation was with your older child, my nibbling about, and I think that turned, it turned a corner for you and for them. Right. I will say in terms of like how important those pronouns were. Now, what I will say is I know somebody um, who's now non-binary and the pronouns are a huge deal because their family is not very accepting, their religion, their community is not real, their church is not accepting. So for the people around this person who know them, the pronouns are important because it is the one of the few things that it actually reflects how they actually identify and feel. I didn't want to make it seem like I was upset with them in any way. I wanted them to understand my perspective versus their perspective, right? So I, the, my child came out about a year and a half ago. So it would have been, you know, a couple months into the pandemic. First of all, my reaction was okay, right? And, and my partner's reaction was okay. Nobody had any strong feelings about it. We were accepting. Um, maybe we didn't make enough of a deal about it. And obviously not to resist, but to be like, oh, wow. Okay. Tell me about it. Um, but 
you normalized it quickly. You didn't right. celebrate it. It right. wasn't a, and they did know that right. they could talk to me more if they wanted to, but you know, habits are habits. And we had been calling this person by she, her pronouns since they were born and 12 and a half years of using one set of words does not just change because someone says, well, now use these words. Um, but it was a process. And the conversation that we ended up having was, you know, me sitting down and talking to them about, about sort of what the difference of perspective is. And I said, you know, we're sitting on the sofa and I'm looking, you know, we're looking at the, the living area and there's, you know, a table full of all kinds of things. And there's pictures and there's like the TV remotes and you just imagine like the entertainment area. And I said, you know, kiddo, for you, the things that are going on in your head, your identity, your friends, your life, your everything, it's like being super zoomed up in this just one part of this table. Imagine your eyes are like six inches away from the table edge and you're looking at the things that are right in front of you. And maybe your gender identity is this picture that is huge when you're six inches away. And that's normal and that's absolutely appropriate. And you are in a phase in your life where your anything, whatever is going on with you is the most important thing for you to be thinking about. That's hundred percent appropriate. I do not want you to feel bad about being that focused on what's going on in your head, but I need you to understand that for your father and I, we need to move all the way back here, all the way back to the sofa which is, you know, eight feet away. And we are, yes, we're thinking about what's going on with you and your gender identity and, but also what's going on with your schoolwork and are you healthy and what's going on with your braces and all kinds of things like that. And then we're thinking about on the other side, we're thinking about what's going on with your sibling. And, you know, he, we've referenced on this podcast that he's on the autism spectrum. So then what, you know, What's going on with that? And how's he doing in school? And does he have the right friends? And what's going on with his dental stuff and his blah, all this stuff like that. And then I'm thinking about my job and I run my own business. So then I'm thinking about all of that. And I'm thinking about my health. Dad's thinking about his job and his health and his hobbies. Your dad and I are thinking about what we're doing in our marriage and are we spending enough time together? Then we're also thinking about, are we spending enough time with you as kids? And there are so many more things that we are thinking about. So our perspective on the picture that, you know, this item that is your gender identity is so far back that it's not that we are trying to send a message when we use the wrong pronouns. It's that when we're moving fast and we have so many things on our minds, sometimes we fall into a habit of using the words that we used to use. That doesn't make it okay but that maybe it will help you have a little bit of sympathy and some understanding about why that might happen. And I told, I was like, I totally do not mind you saying, Hey, this isn't the right pronoun, but if you can do that with some patience rather than a sense of like, why do you keep doing this to me? That would help me so much. And I said, for my part, I will try to slow down. I think part of that conversation, and, and you say this to your child a lot, both of your children, but it's like, you are who you are. You're really focused on like, are you doing good in the world? I don't care 
you know, if you're gay, straight, bi, demi, poly, you're, you're a girl, you're a boy, you're neither, you're both gender fluid. Mm-hmm. Are you a kind person? Are you being good in the world? Are you putting out good things that, mm-hmm. that help people? I know you said that to them. What that made them realize is, oh, so they're not misgendering me on purpose. The misgendering is because of not paying attention, but which doesn't make it okay to your point, but also they care about me. They love me. They accept me, you know, and I think about this in terms of coming out. If we actually can get to a point where you don't have to make it an event to come out, I think that's what your child realized. And I have noticed in the past few months, just a shift in them too. You know, sort of the more they themselves get comfortable in their identity, the more they realize that, you know, it doesn't really matter what anyone calls you. It's who you are. You know, I, I don't want to make that sound like, well, people just accept what they're being called. That is not true. Cause we both have been in a situation where people have deliberately tried to skip learning our names. Um, and, and that's, not okay either, right? Um, so to deliberately avoid making change, you know, because someone's asking you, that's not okay. But I think also learning that why I am who I am, and regardless of you know whether my teachers use the pronouns I prefer, or you know that reflect who I am, or they use a pronoun that is based on you know what they see, that doesn't me- mean that I'm not that person doesn't have to, I don't have to absorb it. It can just be out there in the world. And that's not about me. Yeah. I would, I would much rather have someone who tried to say my name and forgets how it's pronounced and still tries or says like, can you say it for me one more time? Cause I just want to get it right. Then, you know, brush it off or laugh about it or, you know, say, Oh, I'm just going to call you, you know, Coca-Cola or whatever it was when I was a kid. So I kind of like this asking you questions because I don't get to do it as much, but um, so one thing that we did add in this season, pieces of advice or wisdom or the experience that they would like to pass on. Mm-hmm. What are one or two of the pieces of advice that either you have that really hit you or even that you've tried to integrate into your world view? One of the pieces of advice that really resonated with me, um, and you know, we heard this in different ways, but I know that Mama Tits said it first. You know, really find your found family, find your squad, find your people, um, because it's not always the people who are blood relatives for you, but find the people who just love you and accept you and will support you and lift you up and call, you know, sort of call you in when you're stepping on the line. Um, and that's a kind of love too that they don't just let you get away with garbage. Such a gift to have those people who, you know, and sometimes like for you and I, and, you know, our siblings, it, it is because we're all, you know, we're connected through genetics, but I also have a found family that's not, you know, not through genetics. And I know you do too. And I know a lot of people do. And for some people, that's all they have. And I think so often people are like, I don't have any family. No, you do. It might not be the people who have the same genetics as you, um, but that doesn't mean that you don't have family. And so really sort of like valuing that for everything it's worth. I think the other 
thing that really sort of hit me and felt like it got embedded in my heart is this idea of moving through the past and the present. Um, you know, Mark said it best where he's like, well, I'm the old guard. And then, you know, we talked about the fact that, first of all, the old guard is not that old. Matthew Shepard happened not that long ago. And we heard that with Mama Tits too. And we heard that with a lot of people, right? People who are coming out now and having, you know, figuring out their identities and sexuality now are pushing for different things. And that's based on the work that people of previous generations did. You know, Mark talked about how he was old guard and like kids these days and blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, yeah. But, you know, A, wasn't that long ago that it was still really dangerous. And secondly, you know, you were once the, you know, the new, the, the next generation, the young generation, you know, the work that people did back when the Stonewall riots were happening, that was the old guard, you know, or that was even the older old guard. That's like grandparents guard, right? And then there was a generation of men who, you know, there's like very few gay men of that age left because so many people died of HIV. That was a gut punch to me. We lost an entire generation or generation and a half men my age don't know what it looks like to grow old as a gay person. And I like, I still, I get chills thinking about that and how, again, to your point, that was not that long ago. Yeah. We were talking about in the context of, of gay rights and gay history, but we were also able to really contextualize how important that is for any movement, right? We're, we talked about how we're seeing some of the same pushback on abortion rights, and it wasn't that long ago that abortion was illegal. We see that stuff with civil rights now. We're seeing so many of the same things come back around and just how important it is to keep the past present, not to relive the trauma, but to understand what people went through so we don't have to keep doing it again. Um, so that we don't go, oh, well, that problem's solved now, let's move forward. No, not only do you have to keep pushing forward, but you also have to hold the line on what's, what rights and, and you know privileges have been won back. Yeah, and I, I know I, t- I have talked about this ad nauseum, but I talk about you know back after 9-11, you know, the backlash and, and the horrible violence that happened toward brown people And now, you know, again, to your point, that was not that long ago. That was 20 years ago. And, you know, now that it's happening to our East Asian brethren, a lot of brown people, you know, our parents' age are like turning a blind eye and being like, I don't know, uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, that idea of like, you can't forget, there's no such thing as an old guard. Like, essentially, everyone except for the white supremacists are not safe. They're never going to be the old guard. It, right. We all have to come together. What about you? Were there something that really kind of like that I that really like has sat with you in terms of advice? Yeah, or in terms of to... you know themes or lessons that we you know advice lessons stories that we heard over the course of the season. One thing that we said in the very first episode with Violet has come up several times, but as a parent, really resonated with me was, you know, Violet's advice was just let your kids experiment. Like, calm down. Like what she was saying was like, calm the fuck down, everybody, right? Like she didn't say it like that. She said it much more eloquently than I just did. But she was like, just let your kids experiment because 
that's what's really going to help them live their their truth and and it, what came out of that was this theme if someone is go, even if you say it's a phase even if it is a phase if you're like well it's just a phase and you blow it off or you shove it down what ends up happening is that they are forced to go through the phase silently in misery in depression if they come out of it because we also know that LGBTQ youth are in the top risk category for suicide. So even if it is just a phase, right? If, if you're like, I, you know, if being non-binary or gay or, or you're experimenting or whatever, you have to let them go through it. And, you know, I have started using that in my life with bats is I'll say, you know, I'll say something about like, well, like when you have a boyfriend or girlfriend and I'll just, you just have to say it like that. And it's like, you don't have to be like, because you can be gay and I don't care and you, we will accept you. It's just as easy as like saying that that is an option. You know, she's free to be who she is. In terms of the advice, what I was blown away is how much it was like world advice. Like I think every single time, and I probably cut it out because I was getting redundant, but I'd be like, that's good advice for us all. That this is not, you know, advice that a 40 year old gay man is telling a 13 year old who's thinking about coming out. Right. It was every single person had this like life advice. And it really is that every single person said, put yourself first. Has said, um, you have to maintain your own dignity. That is on you. If you give up, if you hide yourself, that is on you. It is a choice. People make choices for a reason. And if you're worried that your parent is going to throw you out of the house when you're 15 because you're gay, you might be choosing to not come out, not to live your truth because of that. But at least acknowledge that that is a choice because then you get to hold on to your dignity. Uh, Mama Tits, you know, and Mark said to, to find your squad. But the other thing Mark said that resonated with me was, you know, you have this thing inside you that is, is all you. And it's going to be weird. And it's going to be funny. And it's going to be silly. And some people are going to be like, that's too weird. I don't like you. Some people are going to say, that's really weird. We're just not going to talk about that. And then some people are going to be like, ooh, I love that weird thing about you. Let's talk about it all the time. Hold on to that piece of you that's weird and silly and strange because you're going to find people who really love that. Even Gretchen, this 20-year-old who like, I was like, come talk to us and it'll be, you know, it'll be good for you. I was like, oh, damn. Like, I didn't realize it was going to be really good for me yeah. too. But she said like, yeah, you're going to be scared and that's okay. And then you still keep going. And so what I really found with all these people and their coming out stories and their pieces of advice to themselves was like, you have to put yourself first. And these are a bunch of ways to do it. It's a Rolodex of like, how can I put myself first and live my best life? Yeah, I think that's a, it was a really great point to end our episode on because regardless of, you know, what your circumstances are or what your situation is, the big thread, not, not the small threads, but like the tapestry that we're weaving um, through our stories are really about like, who are you and how do you bring yourself to the world? You have something to say and how do you say I am speaking and be yourself 
because you're just going to be additive to the world. We know that I get the last question. So our FAMILAX, we've weaved a little bit in here and there, but uh, let's talk about some of the FAMILAX that start with you in your family. What are some of the things that, that stand out to you? One big thing comes from this is silly frame of a print of something that was in my bathroom in the you know first apartment I lived in. <laughs> I had bought, I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I bought this frog something like a frog dish, like a soap dish or something like that. And then so, everyone decided I loved frogs. And I was like, no, I just bought one thing because it was cute, right? Turns out I kept getting frog things and someone bought me a, a like a little framed print for my bathroom that said, where'd he go? And it was a kid sitting in a tub with the frog on its head. Like W-H-E-R-E apostrophe D, where did he go? But where? Yeah, where? Okay. It was where'd he go? That was in my first apartment. And then it came to the house that, you know, my husband and I eventually bought and it was hanging in our bathroom there. Where'd just became like the question. I'm going out, where'd? But, that, but then it expanded to how'd and wide, <laughs> who'd, it just like. So if you were like, I'm going out, I'm going out for dinner and Justin says, who'd, would that mean like, who are you going with? Yes. Okay. But, but that's implied and you know what that means. Yes. Who'd is like, tell me what's going on. Who, you know, talk about who the people are. So it's all, it's all context-based. If I'm like, <laughs> so I made us reservations. Weird. Um, where, that doesn't mean where did that means like, where are we going? The other thing, and this comes, this comes from my husband's mom, actually, she used to call let like legs, like your legs, legumes, because it legumes. And then in this house, we've just shortened it to gumes. And then that's like the name for it now. So your leg right. is now gume. Right. And okay. if you're talking about a leg area, it's your gumal area. Like if you're talking about your shin. Yeah. It's like your on your, it's like your lower gumal area. So I know somebody who tore their quad in soccer. What would you say? Upper gumal tear. <laughs> Up or your upper front gume because your upper back gume is your hamstring. That became better than I even thought. So then the second thing is, and we use this a little bit less because it's like a little clunkier, um, but arms are armistices, like your armist, <laughs> armistice. Yeah, stuff like that. And then the other thing, and this isn't even, it's not even a word, but my kids know that when I snap, that's worse than being yelled at. That is, that is when I snap, that actually means snap too. You snap and point is what yeah, you do. I, when and I that... snap and point, and then my children are like, Yes, ma'am. Like they, they know that that is a time when I'm serious because I can be like raising my voice, but I'm a naturally louder person anyway. That's like, that's like a whole nother level of family, which is like, what does, what does that mean? Like me raising my voice is far less scary to my children than the snap and point where they're like, oh, now mom is serious. Yeah. We're not getting away with shit anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as you know, also like we have a ton of familex over here in the, in the bat fam, we cut off a lot of words also. And I think that's pretty common. We say the word wrong first. So, and then we cut them off. So people are like super confused. So mustard, it became mustied, 
and then we <laughs> dropped it and now it's the the steed so like oh and then he'll put like it on the we have a dry erase board and my husband <laughs> brian will put steed if we need mustard burger well hamburger was ham <laughs> then became biggie and now it's big b-e-e-g right. we have sta we have za of course and then like brian really likes finding hilarious ways of cutting off words so like uh oh like lasagna people would be like lasags or the zags but he would go the zagna like he would like, start it with <laughs> like, a weird like in the awkwardest place but possible. in the awkwardest spot yeah so we do a lot of that I think people know this about like at least my close family and friends know this about me but um I think like everything is McGee I'll put Ederson or Adderson at the end of like all the words um so like my first fantasy football team were called the Batty McBattersons <laughs> which I still am laughing you loved <laughs> that remember that boat that got named oh my god it was called Bobby McBoatface that is perfect so there is a old, like original Dr. Seuss book called McGillicutt's Pool. Yeah. And when I say McGillicutt's Pool, it could mean anything. It's not the book anymore. It's like Batsy's name is Anushka Grace Karstens. And I call her, I'm not kidding. Okay. <laughs> what I claim, what I claim is her full name is Anushka Graciosa Karstensia McGillicutt's Pool McGee. Wow. And she thinks that is not funny whatsoever, but I think it's hilarious. You know, and so McGillicutt's pool could be like uh, somewhere we're going. It could be something we're doing. It could just be like a filler. And it's, <laughs> it's not like an um, yeah. right? But like you, if you couldn't remember what you'd say, you'd say McGillicutt's pool. And yeah, I mean, we, we say like weird things. We also sing a lot in this yeah. house, as, as you're going to hear coming up in this season. Next um, season, you're going oh, yeah. to hear some really interesting things. Yeah. One of them will be a I'm new theme, theme song, song done yeah. by Kosha every week. Yep. Maybe I will throw in the word McKillicott's ball. I don't know. <laughs> you, you all will have to stay tuned. So as we wrap okay. up our, um, <laughs> it's not the time or place for that. As we wrap up our end of season two reflection, let's briefly give our listeners some, some teasers about what's to come. We have some cool stuff for the next season. We have a cool theme for the next season, but also we have some other uh, things that we're launching soon. Yeah. So where do you want to start, Kosha? What is exciting thing number one that we want to talk about? I think exciting thing because we've already recorded one episode is that we had a and we talked about this, we had a running joke because we were sure that when Kamala Harris, Madam Vice President, heard about our podcast and how it was named for her, um, she would be like, I want to be on that podcast. We were positive. I mean, clearly. And but if she didn't fit into the theme, we would have to tell her no. And that was going to be awkward, right? She would feel bad. Mm, right. So, but out of that came this idea that like, you know, what about if people wanted to come on who, you know, were, had interesting or prevalent or things on the forefront that, uh, that really needed to be discussed, what do we do with people like that? And so we put our heads together 
and talked about and are now going to be launching a new what would you call it arm or slip of the podcast yeah it's sort of a sister podcast i would say there you go. Ah, i get it ha, i that that pun was not intended oh, but okay. um i like how honest you were yeah I, I, i'm not taking credit for things i didn't mean yeah. um <laughs> i'm being true to myself uh, yes. but, there you go. but it is you know sort of it's a the sibling you know yeah, an allied is. podcast um for us to really bring on guests who don't necessarily fit with the theme that we picked for the season um but really are talking about things that we are interested in things that we care about you know ideas that we find fascinating or just you know hey we want to talk to this person because they have a really cool point of view if we're really talking about people speaking up and being themselves and finding a way to say i am speaking this sibling podcast is people who are coming on and giving ways that we can do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. You want to say, you want to announce the name of the new podcast? Yeah. So our new podcast, our okay. sibling podcast, our allied podcast, if you will, is called I am speaking with expert voices. We're very excited yeah. about it. We are very, very excited in this Kosha reference. We've already recorded our first expert. We've already spoken with our first expert. Those will be interspersed with the, you know, release of season three. So we're, it's not going to be a totally separate season. You'll see those, those pop up as they get recorded. Very excited about that. And then the second thing we wanted to announce was the theme of Woo-hoo. the next season. Woo-hoo. Yeah, very exciting. And this came to us fairly easily it's been something that's kind of been ruminating and it seemed like an awesome transition from season two to season three and would you like to announce that sure well I get to do all the fun stuff announcing you do so our our next season is we're really talking to people who are in fields or doing work in some way whether it's in the home or outside of the home that's sort of non-gender conforming so we you know we're going to talk to someone who is a stay-at-home dad um, we are going to hope we're going to talk to someone, you know, a woman who works in construction trades, a guy who is a daycare provider. There are so many different ways in which the patriarchy keeps people in certain roles. And it's, you know, it's definitely gotten more flexible for women, but we also want to explore what it's like when a woman goes into a very um, traditionally male field or just very traditional male activities. Um, and and you might hear this this um, season us talking to a lot more men because there are so many more ways in which men are constrained against acting feminine than there are nowadays for women acting traditionally masculine. So season three, I am speaking with Shail Shinkosha, Bucking Gender Norms. Yeah, woo. And we're very excited. You guys should be excited. Um, as long as our recording software keeps working, <laughs> those will still come out once a week um, on average. And of course, if if we miss a week or we have to take a break for some reason, you, you know, our listeners will be the first to know. So yeah. I love you. Love dearly. you too. I love you so much. And uh, I love doing this project with you, this podcast with you. I'm excited to see where the future takes us. This is going to be amazing. Absolutely. I love you so much. Love you too. See you soon. Yep. Thanks all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.